0: guest that are here with us this morning, my name is Ryan Lane, I'm one of the elders here and uh, the Lord saw it fit for you to be here on this day uh, of one of the few times that I preach uh, throughout the year. So uh, we believe in, in the sovereignty of God and it is, it is good that you're here, um, just like all of the other elders that preach, uh, you will hear from God's word this morning. So so welcome and then our, our guests alike, uh, our guests and members alike, uh, that's, what, that's what you will hear. We will preach the word and we will preach Christ this morning. And uh, if you have your Bible, please turn to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 14 through 28 this morning. And uh, by way of introduction, uh, this is the last chapter in the historical narrative section of Daniel, of the book of Daniel. Chapters 1 through 6 are the historical narrative. And coming up uh, in the days ahead are chapters 7 through 12. No, we're not going to skip chapters 7 through 12. We're going to faithfully preach them. Uh, they are part of the vision or the apocalyptic section of Daniel. And so I know we uh, all look forward to hearing from God uh, as we go through that in the coming weeks. But but today we are finishing Daniel chapter 6. And remember our overarching theme uh in the book of Daniel that we've discussed uh, thus far We've heard it several times uh, over, over the times that we've preached uh, From chapters 1 through 6 God is sovereign over all of history and over all nations There is not a time throughout history That God has been uh, absent or not in control As earthly kingdoms come and go As they rise and fall God's kingdom remains sure and Daniel, as we have seen, has been a constant figure as we've gone through these first six chapters in the rise and fall of, of multiple kingdoms. We see uh, Babylon taking the you know, children of Judah into uh, captivity, and Nebuchadnezzar captured them, brought them into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar rose to power, and then he fell for a time, then he was restored. And then a new king came on the scene, Belshazzar, and, and he was quickly killed. He did not stay long. And then we saw at the end of chapter 5 and chapter 6 last week, yet another kingdom has come into power, the Medo-Persian Empire with uh, Darius and King Cyrus. So throughout all these changes, the one true God remains. The one true God continues to reign and rule on his throne. So as we go through this text today, keep that in mind uh, kind of as as a framework as we go through this. So this story uh, Daniel chapter 6 is Daniel and the lion's den Probably very familiar to all of us If you've been uh, part of church uh, at all, you know this story uh, It is a, sometimes a, a children's story that we tell And uh, it, it is very familiar to all of us And John introduced it last week, went through the first 13 verses And uh, so let's just kind of recap that uh, from last week before we get into the, the next section um, first of all, we see the new king, Darius the Mede. Uh, Darius is now king, and that was in Daniel chapter 5, verse 31. And uh, just a quick aside on that, who was King Darius? We've talked about it a little bit in community group. Um, the name Darius or King Darius that, that it is referred to here does not appear in other historical context or historical literature. There are names of Darius, Darius I, and, and various ones, but, but it's not this king that we're talking about here. And there are differing views on, on why that is. Why is it in the scripture and not in, in historical uh, documents? Some say that it's a fictional, uh, made up uh, section, and uh, we obviously do not agree with that. Uh, others say that uh, Darius was actually Gubara, who was a general under King Cyrus. But most commentators believe and affirm that Darius is simply a title that was used by King Cyrus. So Darius and Cyrus are the same person. So if that was any confusion in that, that is an explanation that we see from, uh, from those that have studied this for many years before, before me. But King Darius comes in, he sets up a new uh, governmental structure. You have the 120 satraps or satraps, which uh, means protectors of the kingdom. And then you had three officials or presidents that were over those satraps, and uh, who Daniel was one of those. And then you had the king himself. So there's a lot more bureaucracy that we see in this kingdom that we, than we have in the past. And King Darius, as we saw last week, desired to place Daniel over the other two presidents, the other two high officials. And they despised Daniel for it. They hated him, they wanted to contrive a plan to trap Daniel, but here's the issue they ran into. They couldn't find any fault in Daniel. They had to go to Daniel's God, knowing that Daniel would serve this God um, in spite of whatever happened, and that was the only way that they could trap him. So they devised a plan that uh, everyone had to pray to King Darius for the next 30 days, or they would be cast into the lion's den. The king loved it, the king signed it into law, and Daniel was not fazed by this new law. As we saw last week, he continued to pray to God three times a day as he had done before. But in doing so, he did what? He broke the law. He broke this new law that had just been signed. And the conspirators caught Daniel, went to the king, of course, and told on Daniel, and that's, that leads us up to where we are today in verse 14. So let's read verses 14 through 28 in Daniel chapter 6. This is the word of the Lord, church. Verse 14, Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, And the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel was taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces." Then Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to no end or to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. May God bless his holy word. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, come to you again as we have this morning. Uh, We need you. We desire to hear from you. We are so thankful that we have your word and that your word is sufficient. Your word speaks. And Lord, as as I attempt to uh, proclaim this message, would you indeed uh, keep me from error and would you indeed uh, exalt Christ, uh, your son, that we may hear from you this morning. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so the first section, we're going to just take these in, in sections here. And the first uh, section we'll look at is verses 14 and 15. And that is titled, Darius is Distressed. Uh, now, not all of my points will be alliteration, so just give you a, a fair fair warning uh, in case you were hoping for that. Not not going to happen this morning, but, but this one is. Darius is distressed. In verse uh, 14, then the king, when he heard these words... Obviously, the words that he heard were that Daniel had broken his law. Was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Why was he distressed? It's, cl- it's clear that Daniel was well liked by the king. Uh, we saw that in verses two through three of chapter six. Uh, he had likely heard of all the the miraculous things that Daniel had been a part of during his uh, short tenure. Here as he had conquered Babylon He had heard about Daniel Uh, Another reason the king was distressed He uh, perhaps realized that he had been tricked That the the satraps had come to him And uh, given him a, a bad law to sign And the law was not meant to honor the king But it was yet to win a political position And to remove Daniel from power And set them up in a better position and it says here that he set his mind to deliver Daniel. He labored until the sun went down to rescue him. You can see the king here. We've seen movies and, and things in our, in our context where uh, the lawyer, you know, pours over all the law books. He's pulling them down from the, from the basement of, of some place and trying to find that loophole to get, to get past the law that, uh, that they're trying to, to save someone from a sentence. And this is what I see the king doing. He's, uh, having, he has the finest lawyers trying to find that loophole that can get Daniel out of this uh, wicked law. Apparently, he only had until sundown before the sentence was to be set because that is, that is the time that we see him pushing for. Well, in verse 15, we see that uh, these uh, wicked servants, these wicked officials came to the king and they knew what he was doing and they reminded him that the law that he signed with his signet ring could not be repealed that was the law of the Medes and the Persians no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed the deceivers come to remind Darius uh, that he has no other option but for Daniel to be cast into the lion's den Uh, now so, several of the commentators that I, I read as as I was studying uh, do not want to give King Darius uh, too much of a pass on this one. Uh, it sounds like he's his hands are tied. There's nothing he can do. Um, John Calvin, for instance, had very little patience for uh, Darius. He and other commentators uh, reminded us that uh, the king was still uh, a politician as well. This this government governmental structure was set up. Uh, with some checks and balances that the king was not all powerful and all um, sovereign in this case that he had to answer to others and he was trying to save face because he knew that if he had revoked this law there'd be serious consequences perhaps a rebellion, perhaps a revolt uh, all the things that the kings had to uh, be aware of then they were always thinking of the conspiracies against them the uprisings, assassination attempts, and things like that. So, so the king here, um, for better or worse, whatever it may be, was not able to find the loophole to save Daniel. So that takes us to, chapter, uh, to verses 16 through 18. And this section is Daniel's sentence, uh, the, the judgment that was placed upon Daniel. Verse 16 says, The king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions, and the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. The king had simply run out of time and had to sentence Daniel to death. The king did declare to Daniel that he hoped that his God would deliver him. You see this, this last uh, grasp of hope from King Darius. This last attempt seems to be a, a wishing kind of hope. Uh, not an assurance of this living God, but a hope that Daniel's God might deliver him from the lions den. We saw in Daniel three the type of hope that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when they were in facing that they had when they were facing death. It was a hope of assurance. They knew that God would deliver him, but even if he didn't, they trusted and they rested in Him. Their hope in God was sure, not across your fingers. I hope we get lucky that God might save uh, Daniel in this. So, verse 17 the sentence was made official. Uh, a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And one commentator describes this, uh, Daniel's cast into the, into the den, they bring the stone, they lay it down, and then they place maybe some soft clay uh, on top of the stone with a chain that goes over it, and then the clay is still soft, and so the king is able to press his ring into this uh, stone, and then the lords that are there as well, they press their ring into the stone, and that officially seals it, marks it, the clay hardens And the chain cannot be broken. The stone cannot be lifted. uh, Or you will see, you will know that the king's signet and the noble signet was broken. So again, here we see the checks and balances. It's not just the king's word. It's not just the king's ring. It's others that they wanted to make sure that the law was carried out and that Daniel was indeed uh, unable to be rescued from the lion's den. So... Moving on, verse 18. After this had happened, the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. The king's obviously very distressed about the situation. He refused food, uh, entertainment, whatever that was, and he could not sleep. It really shows us that it was grief you know the situation grieved the king and just an aside here um, have you ever experienced a sleepless night Um, a lot of us have and it is it's not fun is it it's not a it's not a joyous time when you desire sleep you desire rest but it is it is taken from you whether it be uh, sin in your life that has kept you up whether it be uh, circumstances beyond your control, illness, uh, someone in your family, um, a storm that may come through in the night, as it did last night for some of us. Uh, But here, the king is unable to lay his head to rest. Guilty conscience, guilt from the the law that he knew was was wrong and that he tried to save Daniel from. So sleep uh, escaped the king that night. And another question I uh, thought we would ask, you know, we kind of take it for granted if, if you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, but, but why a lion's den? Uh, it seems unique uh, to scripture, lions are, are not, but in this case, keeping a den of lions. And uh, just in some of the research, you know, um, Persians, it said for one, were known to find horrific ways of torturing and executing people. They were, they excelled at that. Lions were commonly held uh, captive for sport, uh, for hunting. Uh, remember, they are the king of the jungle. And so the kings would, would keep these lions uh, for, for their own pleasure. And then obviously they were used for execution, as we see here in Daniel. Uh, it just shows us or reminds us of the depravity of man to invent just more and more gruesome ways for uh, people to, to die. And obviously, we also know that many Christians uh, experienced the, the power of lions and, uh, in the, during the emergence of the early church. So this idea of lions and death, uh, as even Evan read this morning, that uh, the enemy uh, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. So, lion's den. Moving on, verse 19, 19 through 23, another alliteration here, Daniel's deliverance. Verse 19 says, Then at break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. We can assume here that, that the law was, uh, had ended or had been fulfilled if you spent a night uh, in the lion's den. And by the next day the king arose to go see what had happened. Uh, It's ridiculous to think that anyone would have survived the lion's den, but Darius here is still clinging to that hope that he had proclaimed earlier. Verse 20, it says, As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you? From the lions. And I see here as Darius got closer to this place of death uh, where he had sent his servant Daniel, he cried out in this tone of anguish. We see him here in despair now, thinking maybe in his mind, this is impossible, this cannot happen. And he cries out and again offers a, a glimmer of hope Did you survive the night? Has your God been able to deliver you? Well, verse twenty-one, we see this miracle. Then Daniel said to the king, "O king, live forever!" And this is a miracle, right? Uh, we we use the term miracle uh, often, but we but we definitely see it here that Daniel was able to survive certain death. Daniel speaks and gives the king a almost a um, relaxed, uh, joyous greeting uh, that you may not expect from someone who had spent the night in a den of lions. But he says, O king, live forever. And in uh, verse 22, Daniel uh, gives commentary as to what happened. He says, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. The angel protected Daniel from death and destruction. Now, who was the angel? Um, obviously, these are these are parts of Scripture that are not uh, crystal clear, so to speak, but uh, commentators do agree that this was uh, the angel of the Lord, which would point to the pre-incarnate Christ and likely the same angel that was with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace so again this is this is not we don't have a definite word in scripture but from the studies uh, of many that have gone before this is um, what they point to as who this angel was and I'm I'm good with that right we I know we've talked a lot about the Christophanies and the appearing of Christ before uh, Bethlehem and uh, how we wrestle with that and is, is that true, is that, is that not true um, I'm, I'm quite confident and comfortable in uh, the hope that uh, that is who uh, was with Daniel that night and that shut the mouth of the lions so Daniel also reminds the king that he was found blameless before both God and man so the, the night was spent, the angel came, and Daniel was delivered. Now, verse 23, we see, see here the king in his response to this. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king was exceedingly glad. That doesn't seem to give justice, uh, that, that verbiage there, to probably how he felt. But can you imagine the joy of the king after the last 18 hours was spent in just anguish, was spent in uh, trying to, to deliver Daniel, being unable to do so, and then sentencing him to death, <coughs> Excuse me, and, and then seeing him alive and hold not a scratch on him after spending that night. Um, must have been quite quite the scene for him to be exceedingly glad. And I do have a, uh, a brief story of uh, my interpretation of what that means to be, for Darius specifically, to be exceedingly glad. About 35 years ago, uh, the church I was in growing up, we put on a, a play or a musical that was called Daniel, Darius, and the Lion's Den. Some of you may know it. Some of you may have been a part of it. Uh, as you were growing up but I was tasked with playing the role of King Darius and so um, in my research of this role you know I had to go to the scriptures of course and see uh, that dan that Darius here was exceedingly glad and the um, the choir director said you know this is the part where we have to get daniel out of the out of the lions den and you know in front of the court again or in front of your presence so just kind of kind of do something to fill in that brief time you know between and so I interpreted exceedingly glad to mean dancing and so uh you know in in a southern baptist church 35 years ago when King Darius is dancing before um the congregation it it was quite uh quite the spectacle you know this was the mid-80s so there may have been some moonwalking involved I can't (laughs) Can't confirm. I, I'm thankful that VHS VHS tapes are not around as much anymore. But, but the point is, exceedingly glad. He was overjoyed. He was excited. His man, Daniel, had been delivered. Daniel's God had delivered him from the lion's den. No scratch on Daniel, as I mentioned before. He was not harmed in any way. The mouth of the lion was closed and apparently... Uh, he was unable to scratch or claw him either, because there was no sign of harm to him, and this was attributed to his trust or his faith in God, that we saw there in verse uh, twenty-three. Uh, this points to a future text uh, as we went through Hebrews, Hebrews here as a church, um, Hebrews eleven thirty-two through thirty-three, in the Hall of Faith chapter. It highlights some of the people in the Old Testament who were commended for their faith. In verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets. Verse 33, Hebrews 11 says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel doesn't get his name mentioned uh, in the hall of faith, but... Uh, the author of Hebrews here is pointing to this moment of faith in uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. So Darius had a wishful thinking, a hope in Daniel's God, but Daniel had an unshakable hope, an assurance, a trust, a faith in his God. All right, verse 24, we now see Darius's wrath. Verse 24 says, And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. As we like to, to reference often in these uh, story, um, nursery uh, stories that we see in Scripture, sometimes we leave out these parts, Right? Noah's Ark uh, is one dimension. It's cute that the animals are lining up two by two, but then when the rains come, everyone that's not in the ark, uh, it's not such a good story. Uh, the same here. It's it's precious to remember Daniel in the den, um, the mouth of the lions being closed. Sometimes you'll see pictures that have been uh, painted over the years that um, you know the lions are laying in his lap uh, peacefully. Uh, probably not exactly what happened. Uh, But here we see the wrath and what the lion's den was intended for. It was intended for judgment. It was intended for Daniel to be uh, killed. But Darius placed judgment on these deceivers. It was Persian custom uh, that if you were proven false, if you accused someone and you were proven false in this accusation, you would be executed in the same way that you desired the others to be executed. We see this uh, again in Esther uh, chapter 7 verse 10 where Haman had a plot to destroy the Jewish people and it did not come to be. He had accused them falsely and he was hanged on the very gallows that he had intended for Mordecai, Esther 7.10. And they also brought in the family which of course to us seems quite cruel, unusual Uh, But, of course, this is part of the horrific, cruel pagan culture that was uh, the Persian Empire. This practice was common in order to avoid retaliation by family members. As I stated earlier, that kings are always uh, trying to figure out who's the next person that's going to try to take their throne, kind of take over from them. So they just took out the whole family in this case. The lions were ravenous. They had been starved all night. And so the destruction was swift on these wicked rulers and their families. Well, verse 25 through 27, we will call Darius's decree. It says here, The king Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Here we have a pagan king sending this message out to his kingdom. This decree is very similar to Nebuchadnezzar's decree that we saw back in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. But this decree goes a little bit farther than Nebuchadnezzar's did. It's stronger as it calls the people to tremble and fear before the living God. Uh, I think Evan preached uh, that, that in uh, Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar's decree um, shows us or does not show us that Dar- that Nebuchadnezzar was converted. And at the same time, this decree that Darius sends out does not confirm that Darius has seen believed in the one true God and um, there is no call to repentance or a call to forsake all of the other gods that were being worshipped. Darius is simply elevating the living God amongst all of the other gods that are served and that are worshipped during that time. But the point is, and remi- remind you of our, our theme and our thought, God is in control of of all of these govern, governments and, go, and kings, God was using Darius to be a blessing to God's people and to make his name known throughout the world. Don't want us to miss that. God was using Darius as he had used Nebuchadnezzar, as he has used kingdoms throughout history to be a blessing to his people and make his name, God's name, known throughout the world. God is sovereign over all nations and rulers. But this king uh, Cyrus, uh, Darius, is mentioned several places in scripture in the Old Testament. One in particular, Second Chronicles thirty-six twenty-two to 23. It says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up in the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, So that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. And this reminds us that God was using the king here. Because there was the prophecy of the 70 years of uh, exile in Babylon had ended. And Cyrus was allowing uh, people, the children of God, to go back to Jerusalem to uh, begin the building of the temple. So we see God in history. We see God uh, overseeing all of this. He, he brought the children of Judah uh, from uh, Judah to Babylon. And now he's using the king to send them back and to rebuild and to, for all the prophecies to be fulfilled uh, through this king. So that was Darius' decree. In the final verse here, verse 28, So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And we would read that being the same person, the reign of Darius, also the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So, Daniel was likely promoted to second in command of the kingdom of Darius that he had intended to begin with before the deceivers came to him, in verse 3. And as far as we know, Daniel remained in Babylon the rest of his days, yet God continued to use him to influence the king for God's glory. So, that is Daniel 6. Uh, Just a few uh, points to to think about as we close here. Um, I told the the elders this week, um, I may get a little political, if that's okay. And, um, you know, politics and religion, those are two excellent things to discuss, right? And to to have uh, dinner conversations or uh, over, you know, one of these, uh, it always ends well. So let's talk about it. No, Uh, politics, you know, the scriptures we teach from the scriptures you know expositional uh, preaching we desire the point of the text to be the point of our sermon don't want to just craft uh, my own thoughts uh, from from what I believe and think we desire it to be from scripture well here we definitely see politics involved in uh, in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Persia Uh, we see kingdoms rise and fall again God's kingdom remaining Daniel was clearly engaged in the political workings of the kingdom. It is good for us as God's people to be engaged in our government. It's okay for us to do that. God is working in and through us to advance his kingdom today, just as he did in Daniel's day. Now, there are laws on the books now and perhaps future laws that will come that may be in direct opposition to God's law. In fact, there are. And as Peter said in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. They were told not to preach the gospel in that case. So what do we do as God's people in those times? Well, number one, we'll follow Daniel's example here. and We will pray. We will do as we should always be doing. We will go and pray, and we will petition our request to the living God. We will pray for our leaders, as we are called to do in in many parts of Scripture. And we will stand as God's people against wicked laws. How do we do that? I believe, you know, that there are various ways that we can engage the culture, uh, engage the government. Uh, I believe that it's perhaps most effective, um, in this case, with all due respect to those in power, um, there may be many, uh, there are many texts that we see throughout um, the scriptures to t- that tell us to respect those in authority that God has placed over us. First Peter 2.17 uh, says, fear God and honor the king. Romans 13 goes into our uh, submission to authorities and the government. In our culture in this environment that we live in with social media and um, Again, the the devices that we have that we can easily uh, argue and we can easily go down into the mud and engage in a name calling back and forth. I believe as as God's people, let's see today from the example of Daniel how he respectfully disagreed and defied the law of the king. And yet when uh, the king approached him, he was respectful in his um, words even to the king at that point in, in the den of lions. He respectfully calls him or says to him, O king, live forever as he is pulled from the lion's den. So for us, God's people, uh, we pray, but we, at the same time, we stand in opposition to wicked laws that come uh, throughout uh, our time here. And if we stand in opposition, does it always mean that we will survive with our life like Daniel did and like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did? Obviously, that's, that's not the case. There have been many times throughout history that believers have died for standing against wicked men and wicked laws. Some, in fact, have been eaten by lions, and some have been consumed by fire. And we are reminded Hebrews eleven thirty six through 37, that others that had the same faith as Daniel, others that had the same faith as the three Hebrew uh, children, um, suffered a different outcome in their story. Verse thirty-six says, Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Standing uh, for God's law may cost us our life, but it is what we are called to do as believers. So pray, engage, and stand, come what may. Uh, the gospel message in this, uh, James Terrence always does a great job in our community group to remind us where's, where's that hook, where's that gospel message uh, that we see in scripture because the, the Jesus Storybook Bible reminds us that every story whispers Christ's name. The, the Bible is about God, it's about Christ and his redemptive work for his people, So where do we see it here in Daniel? It's, it's pretty clear. I hope that you've seen it already. Breaking the king's law sealed Daniel's fate, and the lion's den was certain death, but God intervened. The gospel message is clear. Unless God intervened and stopped the power of the lion's mouth, then Daniel had no hope. Daniel was blameless before God and man in the lion's den, but Daniel was still a sinner in need of salvation. You and I, we deserve the lion's den, and much worse. We broke God's law, and we deserve to be sentenced to death. In fact, we were dead in our sins, separated from God. But God intervened. He sent the angel to close the mouth of death, to close the mouth of a lion. God sent himself to close the mouth of sin and death to all who would trust in him in faith. So, if you are here today, this morning, and you're an unbeliever, we saw clearly the wrath that was poured out on the wicked, poured out on those who were not of the faith. Um, The lions consumed them quickly, them, their families. Their hope was in their power and their ability to manipulate a political situation. In In this end, their destruction But God's wrath is so much more, so much worse on those who are unbelievers. And you will need a mediator to come between you and the wrath of God. And as I say often, that's bad news. But there is good news. There is gospel message. The good news is there is a mediator, and his name is Jesus Christ, the second person of the blessed Trinity that we sang this morning. He descended into the den of lions and took the wrath of God on the cross for all who would repent and believe. The message is for you today to repent and believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Believers, we stand firm and we prosper in this world. Um, you, you know that the word prosper, does not, I'm not talking about riches and wealth and power. Um, God may call you to that, but it is not universal for all. You will prosper because you have the living God. Be reminded of the gospel, the one who saved you, the one who keeps you, the one who causes you to thrive in this life. Live for his glory. Continue to expand his kingdom, come what may. And as we read or as we sang earlier, a mighty fortress is our God. Verse 4 says, That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. No thanks to the earthly powers, that word. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Now I'll close with uh, 2 Timothy 4, 17 through 18. Paul says, The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it." it. Reminds us of this decree that Darius sent out, that all the world, all the Gentiles might hear it. And Paul says, So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we're thankful for your word, for the reminder uh, that we, we deserve the lion's den. We have broken your law and destruction. Death is right for us. Yet we have a savior in Jesus Christ, who came, took on flesh, lived the life that we could not live, and took on the punishment and the wrath that we deserved, and all who have faith and repentance in Him would prosper, would be in Christ, would be in His kingdom, a child uh, of the King. And I pray this morning that uh, anyone here who does not know this King Jesus would hear the gospel message, and you would save them today. We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.